Are you wondering what it's like to drop everything, move out of your house, and live on a sailboat, even if you've had no sailing experience? You don't realize how out of tune you are with the natural environment and the world around you until you need to be in tune with it in order to survive. And Well, that's what we're talking about today on the Wayward Home podcast. You're going to love this one couple story about how they got started with sailboat life and some of the most difficult cruising grounds in the world. Let's go. Welcome to the Wayward Home Podcast, all about van life, boat life, and nomadic living. We'll bring you tips, interviews, and stories from the road and on the water. Now, here's your host, Kristen Haynes. Hey there, I'm Kristen Haynes, publisher over at thewaywardhome.com. I spend half the year in my camper van in the U.S. and half on my sailboat in Mexico. And I hope to inspire you to try nomadic living, too. So today we're talking to Taryn and Logan Pickard from The Wayward Life and The Wayward Life Sailing. They have a YouTube channel documenting their life on the water. And they've been living on their 40-foot boat in the Pacific Northwest for three years now. I'm so excited you guys are here. Thanks so much for for coming on the podcast. Hi, we're happy to be here. (laughs) Right. So, yeah. So tell us a little bit about, like, why you chose to live on a a boat in the first place. So we were living in a very large house, um, kind of in the country. and it was taking up most of our money and pretty much all of our time. And both of us prefer to be outdoors doing fun activities like mountain biking, spending time on the water, pretty much anything outside of just regular um, life, I guess. And so we spent quite a few years trying to figure out what we wanted to do. We knew that we wanted to do some kind of alternative lifestyle and we looked into tiny home living, but Building costs have gone up a lot in the last few years, and the idea of having to still be dependent on fossil fuels and like having to spend a lot of money not only on building a tiny home, but also like building a truck or something for buying a truck, not necessarily building, but something so that we could actually move around and be nomadic like we wanted to. It seemed like it still didn't make much sense. So we just kind of sat on the idea for a while. Um, and we actually decided to rent out our house and move to Ireland for a bit. And right before we decided to move to Ireland, we discovered that people were living on their sailboats, which we didn't really realize people were doing a lot, despite living next to the ocean like we do. Um, And we just fell in love with that idea. It checked all of our boxes. It was like, brought you closer to nature. You could live off the land. We were really looking for a new challenge at the time. So, um, and neither of us had set foot on a sailboat before so it was uh it was just a new completely new lifestyle that we we decided to try and yeah we loved it from day one but yeah it's hooked right away yeah that's really cool and inspiring that you guys hadn't been on a sailboat before because i think a lot of people want to do it but they're scared because maybe they don't know how to sail or they don't know how to manage a boat so what was that learning curve uh, like for you guys well, we both had experience on the water already, luckily, but we didn't have any experience on sailboats specifically. So we'd had we'd spent some time on powerboats out on the ocean, and we knew that we liked that at least. So we knew that we liked being on the water. We knew that we enjoyed boating, but um, yeah, sailing was a whole other ball game. So we decided that the best way to take care of learning how to sail was actually to take a course instead of just learning on our own because it is very daunting. And here we're dealing with cold water we're dealing with a lot more danger than we would be if we were like in the caribbean yeah we have crazy tides and currents and just lots of random things the weather for the weather here is not nearly as stable no and like most of the people that actually uh die while out boating they die because of hypothermia 
they don't die because of doing like just falling in the water is cold enough that it people usually don't survive so we really wanted to be very smart about learning to sail so that we knew we weren't putting each other or ourselves in danger so we took a five-day live aboard course right off the bat and that really did a lot for kind of cementing into our brains how to safely be on a sailboat and what the basics were for learning to sail yeah it was good to get those um those like good habits in place before we had to before we had bad habits that we had to relearn yeah (laughs) yeah for sure and just just so people know you guys were in uh, vancouver bc right is that where you learned yeah on vancouver island so there's like the city of vancouver and then a big long island right across from it and we're on that big long island oh cool so yeah so um this is just a side note, but we actually got our sailboat on Vancouver Island as well. Oh. So <laughs> yeah, now that boat is down in Mexico. But yeah, so tell us a little more about the conditions out there for sailing. Like you were saying, the tides are crazy. It's cold. Um, how's the wind and what's it like to, to sail in that area? So most people that own sailboats actually just motor their boats around here because the the saying is that there's either too much wind or not enough wind. And that's fairly true. Um, most of the winds that we get are from like low pressure or high pressure systems. So it's usually 15 to 20 plus knots. Well, not even 15 to 20. It's usually 20 to 25 to 35 knots. You don't get like the nice trade wind, calm winds or medium calm winds that make for good sailing. And they're very variable. So like you'll go out on the water and you'll be like, sweet, I got 15 knots. And then half an hour later, you have 30 knots or half an hour later, you have 10 knots and you... Yeah, it's just not predictable. You don't get very, like, even nice long sails. You can't just set a course and set attack and go. You're constantly on the sails, changing things. Um, and the other thing is, too, that we have so many inlets and high mountains that there's a lot of very localized weather systems. So you can be sailing along nicely at 50 knots on attack, and all of a sudden a gust will come down at, like, 30, 35 knots and hit you on the beam and knock you down. And you can be dealing with that while you're also dealing with like five knots of current under your keel. So it's a lot of a lot of variables all at once um, and a lot to think about on top of like being in a narrow channel where if you go one way or the other, you can actually hit land pretty quickly. <laughs> wow. You learned in one of the hardest areas probably, huh? Yeah. And that that's one of the things that people will say, too. If you can learn how to sail well up here, you can sail pretty much anywhere on the world without a problem because there are so many variables. So Yeah. And we have like where we were this or two summers ago, there was uh, like the tides are 17 feet and the current through some of the passes and stuff like that runs up to 16 knots. So you really have to plan and be aware of everything that you're going to see because like when you're going up Johnstone Street, for instance, half of your day, you're going to be battling against a current. So you might have to find a bay to pull into or somewhere to anchor up for the for the afternoon or the morning or whatever it is. Yeah. And it's very common to in the morning there have like five knots of wind and then by like 2 p.m. you have 35 knots of wind. And it's like you can watch it build on the water. And this is the most dangerous area in like where we sail, not only for wind, but also for current. So you'll have 35 knots blowing one direction. And then again, like the gusts coming down while you're in like six or seven knots. But But even when it's like just tied against current or uh, sorry, current against uh, a wind, 
15 knots sometimes can be pretty pretty sketchy because the the waves stack up and like we've been in a situation where we've had our 40 foot boat has been in three separate waves like that's how close together they are and it's very yeah wow yeah (laughs) that sounds like some wild stuff (laughs) yeah so it's been it's been a steep learning curve (laughs) i hope it only gets easier for me (laughs) wow so yeah so interspersed with that there's beautiful days and beautiful coves tell us a little bit about like the scenery up there where what you guys have seen and explored around vancouver island okay so this is honestly one of the most beautiful places in the world we've done quite a bit of traveling and this was the place that we wanted to cruise the most i think because you can go like for days without seeing other people or a house or any civilization at all and you can find these crystal clear calm bays that are surrounded by these incredible huge mountains that just go from the sky directly into the sea and you can just sit in one of these bays for days and days no cell service no sounds from humanity at all just the animals and there won't even be a ripple on the water for most of the day it's just it's absolutely incredible you'd be lucky to see a plane some days like it's pretty once you get up onto the coast like there's no real air traffic that goes over other than float planes going out to remote communities and whatnot yeah so it's like it's incredibly peaceful and um a dream come true i guess is the best way to describe it really yeah the wildlife is incredible like uh both above and below the water the diving is unbelievable uh if you can handle the cold water (laughs) i had no idea there was there was diving around there what do you see when you go diving around uh vancouver island um Lots of fish. Ton, tons of fish. Yeah. Um, There's like soft coral reefs, a lot of them around. Yeah, Canada and this part of Canada specifically actually has some of the best cold water diving in the world. People come from all over the world to come dive here, especially in the wintertime because, well, people don't come here a lot in the wintertime, but they should because that's some of the best diving. <laughs> the water gets, it really clears up when it gets cold, like five degrees and it's like visibility is awesome yeah it's like glass calm you forget that you're underwater because it's so clear it's really cool and yeah the wildlife's incredible there's like wolf eels that will come out and come and kind of snuggle with you people come and dive with sea lions so you can go and dive with a sea lion colony and just be surrounded by sea lions underwater which is both cool and terrifying we haven't done that yet but yeah Yeah, there's a place pretty close to where we live um called hornby island and there's a dive charter out of there like you have to charter a boat to go because of the current and and it's just it's better it's definitely worth it and um you have the chance of seeing uh like a six gill shark i think it's called so like they're a big um like a filter feeding shark and that's pretty cool because they're pretty much not around anymore they're pretty endangered so much to see them the macro life is unbelievable so a lot of people do night dives here just so they can focus on the macro life that sounds like amazing and remote and (laughs) really a stunning (laughs) place to to go sailing and to have your live aboard life that's really cool yeah i was wondering since you guys went you know from a big house to a a small boat did you have an adjustment or did you just immediately love being on the boat or what was that transition like so when we first moved out of the house we actually moved on to a 32 foot boat with us and our 85 pound 
dog. So he's a lab husky wolf cross. He's a big dog. And it was kind of like having three people in like a 32 foot boat. And we loved it, but it was also really tight. Um, so we pretty quickly decided that 32 feet wasn't going to be big enough for three of us to live on comfortably. So we moved up to a 45 foot boat, um, which was actually more space than we needed. And then we ended up partially rebuilding that boat and selling it after discovering some things that made it not really feasible for what we wanted to do and where we wanted to go. And then we ended up on a 40 foot boat. Um, and the 40 foot boat is great. It's actually, I especially love living in small spaces because it's less to clean and it's just, you're more, you have like a, a more intimate relationship with your space. And I really like that. So 40 feet has been perfect for us. It hasn't been nearly as difficult as I thought it was to kind of get rid of stuff and to live in a small space, but we don't, we don't really buy a lot. We don't, we don't have a, we don't care about having a lot of stuff, I guess. Yeah. You definitely don't miss your stuff that anything that we haven't used or needed within like a year or so it's gone. Yeah. We have, we also have a sea can on Logan's parents' property that we've used for quite a bit of storage. We got rid of like all of our furniture, but I don't know, like keepsakes, tools, stuff that we weren't sure whether or not we were going to want in a year. We kind of put a lot of that in the sea can. And then every year or so since then, we've gone kind of through it and gotten rid of stuff that we clearly didn't miss. So that was kind of a nice way to transition from living in a big house to living on the water because it wasn't, we didn't have to say goodbye right away to everything. We had the choice of whether or not to say goodbye. Yeah, that's, that's, that's really cool. And What's a sea can? I've never heard that word. So, you know, like the shipping containers? Yeah. They go on the big ships. Yeah. So we bought one of those and put it on a piece of property. Oh, very cool. Yeah. We had one of those for years as well and finally got rid of it. But we really, we had it for, that was last year we got rid of it. So we had that for a long time. (laughs) Now we have a utility trailer. So, you know. (laughs) Another thing I love about your YouTube videos is you guys talk a lot about sustainability and finding your own food. I would love to hear more about how you forage and what kinds of things you find uh, around there. Yeah, so that was one of the things that I was most excited about when we moved onto the boat. Um, Because we're in these like really remote areas, there's so much nature and there's so much ability to go out into these places and find what's growing around and pick it and you're not really interrupting anybody else's life and you don't have to worry about a lot of pollutants and stuff like that. The first year that we were, that we spent all summer out, we pickled bull kelp. So went and picked seaweed, essentially. Pickled it as well as dried it. We did the same thing with sea asparagus. We've used that, all that kind of stuff in soups and stews and a bunch of other stuff. And we have spent quite a bit of time fishing. Logan's gotten really good at catching catching fish. And that's that's made for some really good like fish tacos and stuff like that. And um, then on top of that, Logan was actually making sourdough bread. So he had like a really nice starter in the fridge and we'd do like sourdough whatever with fish and we did that a lot yeah and then you end up using bits of it every day for just general baking and making stuff it's easier than carrying around a bunch of stuff that can be damaged by the moisture yeah and then we found we found too that like doing that especially with the sourdough was we were getting so much more nutritional value than getting stuff from the grocery store that we were full a lot more and we ended up eating a lot less. Um, like in Canada, I think it's like 80% of our food or something comes from out of the country. So a lot of it is shipped all the way from California and it's picked when it's really not even close to ripe. So we don't get the nutritional value in our food that we do if you pick it riper from the garden or whatever. 
Um, so yeah, it just, it's been a way healthier option for us being able to do that. We've picked, we learned a lot more about the plants around us, like learned what nodding onions were. We picked a ton of berries. Yeah. And so our plan is to continue that as much as we can if we're back on the boat, because right now we're actually in the middle of a refit. Yeah. All of us know what that's like, <laughs> refitting yeah. sailboats. <laughs> how did you learn what plants you could eat? Do you have a book or how did you learn that? Um, yeah, from a couple of books as well as friends. Like we've got a couple of friends who are also living on their sailboat who have been amazing. They have been doing this for a long time. They've been living on their boat for 15 years and we're like fishing and canning and doing all that stuff long time before that. So they've been really good kind of mentors to us and taught us a lot of their ways for preserving food, which has been incredible. And they've shared a lot of their food with us too. I guess, yeah, we canned crab and prawns and a bunch of other stuff too so we have a lot of more canning plans as well like since doing all of that the first summer i've got a long list of things that i plan on canning and learning how to do as well we want to be as close to self-sufficient as we can be on the boat so yeah it's going to take a bit but that's our plan is to get pretty close to that i plan on actually like setting up a small garden on the back of the boat as well for like herbs and cilantro and things like that that you just want fresh all the time so that we don't have to go back to town as much totally i was thinking of doing that as well creating like a little garden because there's certain things you can't really get in mexico like arugula which i love oh. and i heard you can gr grow very easily so i was thinking of a little garden on the boat how are what's your plan for that like what's your setup going to be for for the garden there's a couple of people that i know on their boats have like little hanging baskets that they kind of have on the side on the on the push pit so I'm thinking of having one of those on like our, yeah, the aft end of the boat. Well, so we have really big windows in our boat and I was very excited because I was like, sweet, I can grow food inside. But it turns out that they have a UV filter on them, which makes a lot of sense, but it's really difficult for growing things inside the boat. So that plan quickly went out the window because all of my indoor plants died within like a few weeks of having them because even though there was a ton of light, there was no UV coming through. So... Yeah, it'll have to be outside, probably on on the back of the boat. Yeah, we're rebuilding part of the boat, and I think um, we're going to put a big, not a massive, but like a fairly substantial solar arch on it, because um, we just don't get the sunlight like you would in Mexico. <laughs> yeah. So we have to put some more panels on, and I think maybe putting some baskets on the outside of that. Well, where they'll be kind of out of the way of everything. That's a good idea. And then when you're sailing, do the baskets just move with the boat or do you have to put everything away? Sounds like when people have done it, they just move with the boat. Yeah. Like whatever way you're healed, they kind of heal with you. So they've just got to be able to withstand the salt water, I guess. That's the main thing. So it'll be <laughs> interesting to kind of experiment and see what's okay with being that close to the ocean. I'm sure we'll have casualties, but... yeah trial and error <laughs> yeah that'll be fun to see how that works out for you guys and, and learn from you as well because we definitely want to start doing more foraging and finding uh different plants you can eat even in the desert there's tons of plants you can eat which is amazing so yeah, that's awesome yeah, yeah. one of the yeah, things well. that we started to do uh, a couple of years ago actually was mushrooms like picking wild mushrooms and we've been able to we got really lucky one year and we had a lot like every week we were having full meals with of mushrooms and then uh, last year was not very good. Yeah, it's been very hit or miss with the weather changing. It's made mushroom picking more difficult because they want like a very specific weather pattern, I guess, throughout the year in order to 
kind of sprout up in the fall and winter. So the last two years have not been great, but three years ago was awesome. Yeah, it's wow. um, it's been too dry here and it's not normally this dry. So, But it's very interesting, like especially when you're foraging and stuff like that, you learn so much more about the environment and the world around you and how it works. And that's been really interesting. You don't realize how out of tune you are with the natural environment and the world around you until you need to be in tune with it in order to survive and not end up in dangerous situations. So yeah, that's been pretty, pretty interesting to learn, I think. Yeah. So it brought you kind of closer. I've I've noticed that too in the van and on the sailboat. You're really in touch with the elements and what's happening outside. And um, and that sounds like that happened to you guys. Where and, and how does it feel being in a in a house now that your boat is being worked on? We really missed the boat. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, it's like, been a long a long project, and yeah, living back in the house is kind of making it feel longer. Yeah, it's been we've been it's been more than a year now actually that we've been working on the boat trying to get it back. We've rebuilt almost a quarter of the boat, or we'll have rebuilt it a quarter of it by the time it's back in the water. So I mean, if anything has cemented in our world that we really want to be on the water and that we chose the right lifestyle has definitely been this experience. Yeah, that's a great. Um, yeah. Do you guys have like, what would you say to people considering sailboat life and they're just not sure or they're like worried about it? What Do you have advice for people? I would say jump on a boat, join like a yacht club or something where you can go out and you can learn to sail and you can really kind of see what it's like, especially on the not so great days. Yeah, get experience in the wide range of stuff because like it's really easy to go out on a nice summer day and it feels incredibly relaxing and beautiful and it is a hundred percent and those are the days that definitely make living on a sailboat worth it but you also have to make sure that you can withstand the not so great days um and as i'm sure you know there's a lot to there's a lot of different kinds of boats there's a lot of different kinds of sailing and it's I think getting out on some boats and experiencing different things is probably the best way to figure out if you like being on the water and if it's a good lifestyle for you because it is like very, very different from living in a house. It's continual learning. If you don't learn something every day you're on the water, like you're probably not doing it right. <laughs> yeah, there's there's way more to know than anybody, any single person can even aspire to do. Like You'll talk to people who've spent most of their lives on the water and they'll, they'll tell you they learn every day still in their 70s or... 80s or whatever so yeah it's a pretty cool lifestyle especially if you enjoy learning but it's definitely different we did a five-day live award course and that really like if you're not close to the water and you can't go and bug people at the dock every day to get on a boat that is a really good thing to do not risking your life savings on your own boat trying to figure out how to do it and so your boat is probably ready in the spring you're hoping and what are your plans uh after that our plans are to head up north like northern bc and then into alaska um, and then we're hoping within a few years to go through the northwest passage and over to europe but that's hinging on a few things so before we do that, we're planning on exploring like northern BC, central BC, and Alaska as much as we can for a couple of years. That sounds phenomenal. And so you guys have a YouTube channel where you'll be documenting all all this, right? So our YouTube channel is called Wayward Life Sailing, and we're putting out like weekly videos. Right now, it's pretty much all project videos. But in the <laughs> near future, we'll be back to adventure videos. There's, I don't know how many videos of us sailing in around Vancouver Island, like on the inside of Vancouver Island and you can see a lot of the really cool beautiful bays that we're talking about as well as 
I've got videos of like how to how we canned bull kelp foraging for bull kelp fishing. We've got lots of different videos about all the stuff we've talked about today, pretty much, except for the diving. We don't have any diving videos yet, but we will. That's coming. It's a great place for people to go learn about what you're up to and even foraging. I'm going to have to go check out some of those videos and canning. I'd like to try that. So it sounds like you have a lot of good stuff on your channel for people to go learn about boat life. So that's exciting. Yeah. Is there anything else you wanted to share or want people to know about your lifestyle? The other thing about our YouTube channel is we try to be really like open and honest about the entire experience. We're not there just to entertain and show you the good things. We're like, we show you the wide range of everything that we experience. Even when we mess up, like when we forget to fill our tanks with fuel and realize we're 30 knots and 30 nautical miles away from the next fuel station. Yeah, because like we've said, it's like it's a lot of especially up here. There's a lot of times where you like you can get into dangerous situations really quickly. So obviously it's also very amazing. And we like to show the incredible beauty that's around us and why we have chosen this lifestyle. But we don't sugarcoat things. We tell you the honest truth about what we're going through and yeah sail, sailboat life definitely has its ups and downs and a lot of excitement <laughs> but yeah fingers crossed for you guys i know boat projects are a drag and can take a lo- really long time we know that firsthand so <laughs> i wish yeah. you luck getting back on the water and back in your home <laughs> yeah no, thank you cool well thanks you guys for coming on i think your story is great and people will learn a lot and go subscribe to your youtube channel i'll put links down below in the show notes of course so cool. yeah thanks so much thanks so much for having us And that's a wrap for this episode of the Wayward Home Podcast. I hope you enjoyed Taryn and Logan's boat life adventures. Just a reminder to connect with me over on social media. I'm at the Wayward Home on Facebook and Instagram. Send me a DM. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you next time.